Today's scripture reading is from Joshua chapter one, verses one through nine, and you can follow along in your bulletin on the screen behind me, or of course in your Bibles. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kelly. Well, good morning. Got a few things up here I gotta keep track of this morning. Well, in 2019, Marvel Studios, they released, uh, for me, what is probably their best movie, and that was Avengers Endgame, and I know if, if we open it up to debate, there would be all sorts of debate, which is the best, but I think that one's the best. Um, and I'm not going to recap the whole story for you because those of you who are in the know, you know it would take 21 movies of recap to get to this point, <laughs> right? But like all of the Marvel movies, uh, it's basically a story about good versus evil, right? I mean, that's really the whole plot, uh, every movie, over and over again. Uh, and the good guys here, the Avengers, they're faced with an impossible task. And what is that? The impossible task is to bring back half of the life of the universe that has been erased. And if you've watched the movie, you know how this happened. It happened because the arch-villain, Thanos, he gathered all of those infinity stones and he made something and he snapped and he erased half the life in the universe. So the remaining Avengers, what do they do? They go about devising a clever plan. And what is that plan? They're going to go back in time and get those infinity stones and prevent this from all happening, right? It sounds simple. Sounds simple. Go back in time. Well, they're going to need expertise to do that. And they seek out the one person who has this expertise, and that is Tony Stark, Iron Man. Well, Iron Man has checked out. He is no longer part of the Avengers. 
he's checked out. He's living in a cabin somewhere in the mountains. And they go and they approach him and they ask him if he would help with this time travel problem. And what does he do? He refuses. And he refuses based on two reasons. One, out of fear. He is married to Pepper Potts now, right? He's got a wife. He's got a child. And so he's fearful of losing even more. And two, of course, he's doubtful, like you and I are doubtful, right? I mean, time travel, that, that doesn't really happen. And so he basically tells them to go away, and you figure it out. And they do that. They go away. They work on the problem over and over and over again, and they fail. And then one evening, Tony Stark is washing dishes, doing the mundane, and he sees a picture of himself with Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And of course, Spider-Man has been lost to the, to the snap. And I can't help but think that in Tony Stark's heart and mind, he was missing him, and he wanted his friend back. In fact, he wanted the, all of the friends and family members that he had lost, he wanted them back. And so after he remembered, he rose to the occasion. He jumped into action, and he began to work on the problem. And then he relies on his vast knowledge of quantum physics, and he actually solves the problem using an inverted Mobius strip, whatever that is. But some of you guys out there, somebody out there knows what that is. He solves the problem and so if you, want to, if you want to know how this story ends, go ahead and watch the movie. Uh, but in our passage this morning, when we look at the beginning of Joshua, Joshua is faced with an impossible task, almost like going backwards in time. And in order to face that obstacle, he is going to have to remember God's promises. He's going to have to rise to the occasion and he's going to have to rely on God's word, okay? If you caught that, remember, rise, and rely. Those are the three points we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but before we jump into this big book of Joshua, you ought to take a little bit of time and unpack some of the historical context so that you guys know where we are in history, okay? And so in order to do that, I want to rewind the clock 500 years from the beginning of the book of Joshua back to Abraham. And if you're taking notes, jot down Genesis chapter 12. It's a very important passage, a very important uh, piece of scripture in our Bibles today. Because what is given in Genesis chapter 12 is the promise, the promise of land to Abraham. And then that promise is repeated to his offspring, to Isaac, and then to Jacob, and then it goes to Moses, and then it goes to Joshua. We're going to see that promise repeated. And so why do I take you all the way back 500 years? The book of Joshua is about the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, God's promise to his people. It's all about unpacking, unfolding the promise of God and showing that God is faithful to his people. And so we have to talk about the history of Israel. How did they get to this point in the beginning of Joshua? Right? They started out um, as a nation going into slavery in Egypt. 
And then God raises up this man Moses that you might have heard of to lead the people out of Egypt and to wander in the desert. And then we find ourselves in the beginning of Joshua with the first couple verses saying that Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Okay, and so where are the Israelites? They are actually on the east side. They're on the east side of the Jordan River. And what's over on the west side? The west side is the promised land. Moses is dead, and now who is going to lead the people to fulfill the promise? Moses has failed in the mission. Will Joshua complete the mission? Will the people of God complete the mission? And so think about it this way. There's an uncertainty in leadership, right? We know who who Moses was and all the things that he did, but we don't really know that Joshua can do this for us, right? So think about what is happening here on the east side of the Jordan with the people of Israel. They are at DEFCON 2, right? War is Eminent. War is eminent. And as I look around, most of us here, I know some of us know what it means to go to war. Some of us know what it means to go into battle, but a lot of us have no idea what that means. It doesn't resonate with us. But what is happening here, they're sitting on the east side of the Jordan, and there's families thinking that we're going to go over there. We're going to grab our spears. We're going to grab our swords. We're going to go into battle. Some of us are not going to come back. Some of us are going to die. Some of us are going to be wounded forever. That's what they were facing. They were facing a crisis of leadership. They were facing their own crisis, thinking about the fact that war is imminent. And then lastly, as a point of context, I want you to think about this generation of Israelites, okay? This generation they have been in the, in the wilderness with their parents. And they have ringing in their memories the fact that their parents are all dead. All of their parents are dead, and they failed along with Moses and Aaron to accomplish the mission. And so they have that as part of their story that they're bringing to the narrative that we're going to look at this morning. And so let's look at that first point. Joshua, when faced with the impossible, he is going to have to remember God's promises. And we see this in these verses. And when, when I read this, look for the promises. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, there are three promises in these verses, three promises. And the first one is the promise of the land that I had spoken about earlier. This promise is reiterated through all of the offspring. And it comes to Joshua that he would inherit the land. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. God would be faithful in his promise. The second promise we see is the promise of victorious leadership. 
It says in verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you. And so we have to think about this. When he goes into battle, he has to remember this promise that God would be with him. No man would be able to stand before him. And even this, that he will cause the people of Israel to inherit the land. So Joshua is promised victorious leadership in battle and in leading the people of God. And thirdly, the great promise of God's presence. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Everywhere you go, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. And so you have to think about how God was with Moses. And Joshua would begin to recall that God was with Moses in a powerful way. He used Moses to lead the people out of slavery. He did miracles, wonderful miracles through Moses. And so as we unpack this series, one of the things you're going to look for, and you're going to see some startling parallels, you're going to see how God fulfills this promise to Joshua in a mighty way, in a very similar way that he uses Moses He's going to use Joshua in very similar ways. But Joshua would not only have to remember these promises, he's going to have to have them in his heart. He's going to have to assimilate them in his heart because these promises, maybe he's on the verge of the promised land and he's hearing these promises from God and they, they sound a little bit abstract. They sound a little bit theoretical. And he is going to have to live these promises out. Well, back uh, in my grad school days, I encountered uh, the following equation. I'm going to bring some math to you this morning. Uh, and I, I know there's only like one or two people in here that are like, ooh, there's a math equation. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit of a math nerd. But anyway, this, this equation uh, was something I encountered in grad school. Uh, and it basically is something we derived, it's something that we uh, experimented with, we simulated it, we understood its limitations, it's actually an approximation for the performance of a cool circuit. No, not a time-space GPS or a Mobius strip or something like that, but if you're interested, this is talking about the performance of a oversampling Delta Sigma modulator A to D converter. It talks about the noise at a particular frequency, okay? But you're looking at it, and I looked at it in college, and I said, wow, that's, that's nice and theoretical. It's abstract. It doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. But when I got into the workplace, and when I had to bet my paycheck and my career on this equation, when our company had to invest a couple of million dollars in R&D to build something like this, and when we were wagering $100 million of business on this equation, it started to become very real to me. Like, every single component of that equation I really need to be sure about. And when we got our silicon chips back in the lab and I began to try it and test it, and we saw the performance met the equation, guess what? For me, the abstract became a reality. That equation was something I owned. It was something I possessed. And we live in this tension where we hear the promises of God, and they may sound abstract to us. 
They may sound theoretical. These promises will not become reality until we live them out, until we try them out, until we test them out and see that God is faithful to his promises. Well, God has given us similar promises as he gave to Joshua. You may not realize it. He has promised us, if we are in Christ, he has promised us an inheritance as well. He has promised us victory over our enemies, our gravest enemies, and he has promised us his beautiful presence. Lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And so, as I think about this, I'm wondering what promises do the people of Lake Baldwin Church need to hear this morning? And it was so wonderful this morning in worship as we were singing all, so many of the promises of God we sung aloud together. Maybe you need to hear that he will give you peace. Even though the world is at war and there is conflict in your life, maybe you need to hear that he is your ultimate peace. Maybe you need to hear that he is your joy, even though there is no joy in any single circumstance in your life. Or maybe you need to hear that he's the one that's going to give you rest even though you are running ragged. Or perhaps it's as simple as that great promise, I'm not gonna leave you, I'm not gonna forsake you. Whatever you're going through, I am with you in it. In fact, I've gone ahead of you. We need the promises of God. Because when the brokenness of life threatens to undo us, we need his promises to anchor us, to be an anchor for our soul. Otherwise, these waves, these storms of life are just going to plow us over. Well, let's look now at the second point, which is this. Joshua, he would have to rise to the occasion he would have to rise to the occasion. We see this predominantly in verse two where he says, where God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's the scenario. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Arise, go over this Jordan. We're gonna find out in a few weeks as we unpack what that means, that that's basically asking the impossible. You can't take this entire nation with all of their baggage and all their stuff and make it across the Jordan River. But yet God is saying, arise, go forth, go over this Jordan. He's commanding Joshua to go right towards the impossible. And Joshua, he's going to need encouragement. And it comes by way of a command, actually. So we see in these verses three times, three times, I'm so thankful it's three times that we have to be reminded, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And why would Joshua need it? Well, of course, he is tempted to be frightened and dismayed. That's what our scripture says. God says to him, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. So he would be fearful, he'd be fearful. Fear sometimes leads to inaction. It leads to us being frozen right where we're at. Joshua himself might have said to him, you know what, I don't think we're gonna go over that river. I think we'll just stay over on this side because we're gonna learn as we unpack the history that the east side of the Jordan has some great pasture lands. Maybe we should just stay here. 
Or maybe we should wait to go over the river at a different time of year. Or maybe we should get together, form a committee, and figure out some other options. Fear does that to us. It freezes us. And then discouragement, being dismayed, what does that do? It causes doubt in our mind. Joshua and the people might have looked at themselves and said, hmm, war, war, we're not warriors. We're not equipped for this task. Maybe we won't do that. So Joshua is commanded to be strong and courageous. And here is something very important that we have to take from this. I want to make sure you guys hear this. God is not saying be strong and courageous in yourself. Pull yourself up by your boots. Muster up this courage. Muster up this strength. He is not saying that because this command is rooted in the promises and in the provision of God. Those promises, those three promises I talked about, right? You're going to inherit this land. Everywhere you're going to put your foot is going to be yours. So Joshua can be strong. Why? Because he had that promise. He had the promise that, hey, Joshua, it's you. You are the instrument that I'm going to use to cause this people to inherit the land. So he could be strong and courageous because of that. Finally, he can be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord God would be with him just like he was with Moses. Everywhere he went, God would be with him. So our strength and our courage are rooted in the promises of God, and they're also rooted in the provision of God. We see the provision in verse 7, where the provision is God's word. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all, that the, law, to, to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Recognize this. Joshua probably only had the first five books of the Bible, only what Moses had written down. But they were meant for his strength. They were meant for his courage. They were meant for his encouragement. They would be what he would need to face the trials that were ahead of him. In Psalm 73, it says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Maybe you're right at that point. Your flesh and your heart are weak and failing. But know this, God is not commanding you to be strong in yourself, to be courageous in yourself. He is the strength of your life. He is your portion. He is your inheritance forever. And so our strength and our courage come not from within. They come from God. We don't have the resources to face what life throws at us, but God, he certainly does. And so we also, like Joshua, could have been tempted to fear, could be tempted in our circumstances to be discouraged. And how do we cope with those sorts of circumstances? Well, some of us, we check out. We check out, right? Or we get lazy. Or we oversleep. Or we overeat. Or we overindulge. Or we we drown ourselves in entertainment or pleasure right? We do all these things to distract ourselves, to soothe ourselves, to comfort ourselves, so we don't have to face that obstacle that's right in front of us. And so we fail to rise to the occasion that God may be calling us to, okay? And so this is the second thing I want to make clear about this. Sometimes we are in circumstances 
where we don't know what God is telling us to do. I call that living in the in-between. In-between. You could be in between a relationship, in between jobs, in between phases of life. You're waiting for something to happen. And the right thing there to do is not necessary to spring into action because you don't know what God is calling you to. And so sometimes the best action for us is no action at all. So I just want you to tuck that away. It's not always, you don't always rise to the action and grab your, your sword and go charging right ahead. You have to have the wisdom of God. And so God has given us his promises. He's given us his word as a provision. And because of those things, we can be strong. We can be courageous as we face the trials of life. Well, we can't underestimate how important God's word is to giving us strength and courage. But in this last point, we'll see how important God's word is into guaranteeing our success and our prosperity, okay? Sounds a little bit like prosperity gospel. Um, Let's look at this. Joshua would have to rely on God's word in verses seven and eight. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Okay? I hope you didn't miss it in those verses. There is a very strong connection, an unavoidable connection between our obedience and success or prosperity. It was that way for, Moses, for Joshua. It is that way for us. Think about why did, the, why did Moses and Aaron, why did the, the parents' generation not make it into the promised land and, and fulfill the mission? Because of disobedience. They were not successful. God doesn't leave it to Joshua's imagination, though, of how it looks like to be obedient to the word, right? In verse 8, he says that the book of the law is not to depart from his mouth. He's to meditate on it all of the time. Now, I was thinking about this, how often I am on my phone, and uh, I'm on my phone a lot. I'm checking messages, texts. Uh, responding to stuff, I'm checking the weather um, for the afternoon shower, I'm looking at the stocks, I'm looking at the news, I'm looking at social media, I'm checking it all the time, all the time. That's what it looks like to be continually in the presence of God and meditating on his word. Would it be that we would all check our Bibles, check the scripture like we check our phones, okay? And I think one of the problems is that we have in the church today is we've lost the understanding of this book, the Bible. We've lost the understanding of what it is that we have in our hands when we hold the Bible. You see, this is the very words of God breathed out from him. The most powerful being in the universe has written a message to us. It's it's for us. This is for us. He's written it for us. He is the one who made you. 
He knows the beginning and the end. He is the one who is all wise. He knows all about you, and he has a prescription for you in his word. How are you gonna know about the promises of God if you're not in his word? How are you gonna know the way of life if you're not in his word? He has given this to us. And I think at times we're more content to read other books, spend hours and hours reading other books, uh, playing video games, uh, watching TV, uh, never opening up the message that our creator has for us in his word. You know, I'm very thankful. One of the things that Debbie and I are thankful for when we came to Lake Baldwin Church is to realize that this is a multi-generational church. And it's wonderful that we have the older saints with us. And I'll say this. Um, first, to challenge the young people here. If you haven't made this a rhythm in your life, you ought to do it. Start young. Start young. Okay? But one of the problems we have when we think of success is we have the wrong idea of what success really is. We've adopted the world's ideas of success. And if you young people take the opportunity to get some, to know some of the older saints and ask them about this, I'm sure that some of them are going to tell you, don't waste your youth. Don't waste your energy and all your time chasing after what the world calls success. Success is found by following God in his word. Obedience. Because God's ways, if you do this, if you follow him in relationship with him, you'll begin to see that God's ways are really the best ways. Not the world's ways. God's ways are the best ways. Simple obedience in following him. You're going to experience this fact. This is a fact. If you trust him, if you follow him, that whatever plan you're envisioning for your life, all the things you're chasing after, you can't architect a better plan. You can't engineer or manipulate or angle for a better plan than God has for you in Christ Jesus. So I encourage you, be people of the word this morning. Well, the, one of the great obstacles that we all face is a life separated now and forever from our loving Father. In Christ, in Christ, we can overcome this greatest obstacle. As we unpack this series in Joshua, we're going to find that Joshua fell short. The promise is not 100% fulfilled. There would be another Joshua to come that would fulfill the promises. And that person is Christ. Because you see, Christ rose to the occasion for us. He left the security, the comfort, the glory of heaven and came to earth. He rose to the occasion for us by lowering himself, confining himself to space and time and putting on human flesh and submitting himself to a cruel death on the cross so that we could be forgiven. So whatever obstacles or hardship or even suffering you're facing this morning, you could face it with strength. You can face it with courage, not because you have it in yourself, because God can give it to you in Christ if you are in him this morning. And Christ himself has already gone before you and faced every trial that you will face, and he has faced even the greatest trial.
Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father and, and mighty God, we do thank you that you don't leave your people alone. You give us your word and you've given us a message from heaven. More than that, you've given us all of your beautiful promises to encourage your people, to fill us with strength and courage as we face all that life is throwing our way. And so, mighty God, I pray that this morning you would strengthen your people, many of your people here at Lake Baldwin Church going through severe trial, facing insurmountable obstacles. Fill them with strength, fill them with courage. Help them to know that you have not left them. You will not forsake them. In Christ's name, amen.